Injury takes you out of the game. It's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers with convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team. You're always close to the care that you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. I am Patrick Boyer, and you listen to Son of the Looms. afternoon or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. I'm Steve McPherson, and I'm joined by Kendra D. St. Aubin today. Kendra, it is legit winter. You are someone who lived in Arizona, right? Yes, for nine years. Yeah. So, I mean, how do you feel about winter now? I don't feel any better about it. <laughs> I mean, I, I grew up here, but I don't feel, and my husband and I swore we would never move this direction um, after living in Arizona and California. And then here we are, but you know, our whole family is here. So that's, um, you know, reason enough. You can never replace family, but at the same time, when it gets to like the zero bitterly cold, I just keep reminding myself, we've been extremely lucky. We had a good spring. We had a good summer. We had a good fall. And then I saw next Wednesday is supposed to be 46. When's the last time you saw 46 in mid December. So I'm trying to embrace it and and not complain about it. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't like the bitter, bitter cold. November was very mild um, overall. Uh, I I found myself, so I bought a a solo stove. This is not a sponsored post or anything here, but (laughs) But maybe it will become one. (laughs) I bought a solo stove over the pandemic. To sort of up my fire fire uh, pit game, yes. and it's great. Uh, last year I used it a lot. This year I didn't use it that much because it sort of felt like we went from pretty temperate to just it dropped off the the edge here. Now it's a little warmer today, but we were in the single digits a couple of days ago. Did you? Uh, one question I have for you: When you moved to Arizona, how long did it take before you started feeling like fifty five was cold? And then when you moved back, how long was it before you were sort of like? okay, I can deal with it. Well, first of all, 70 was cold. It wasn't really 55. (laughs) I remember going for runs. Um, I was training for marathons and half marathons at the time. And I would go out at like five o'clock in the morning and run in January or, you know, December. And I'd be all layered up like (laughs) mittens and everything. And now I go out run. If it's above 30, I'm like, I got to get my, I got to get running. We don't know when this is going to end. So I got soft extremely quickly (laughs) um, living in Arizona and, um, I don't know. I will say the one nice thing about moving back as as an adult to Minnesota, as opposed to when I lived here as a kid, is there were no heated garages. There were no sure. seat heaters in cars, yeah. steering wheel heaters, you know, automatic starters. Like, we didn't have any of that growing up. So every yeah. time you got in the car, you were freezing your butt off, and it didn't warm up until you got to where you were going, and then you shut it off and, and started all over again. So it's yep. not as bad now as – it's more like when you're going in and out of the grocery store, and you're like – that wind just hits you in the face and your eyeballs freeze and start watering. So, um, yeah, I got soft really quick in Arizona. Yeah. I think I owe my, uh, marriage to seat heaters, uh, car seat (laughs) heaters actually. Um, I gotta hear this one. So when, uh, my now wife and I started dating, I had a, a Subaru Outback that had, uh, heated seats and I think she probably stuck with me early on because I had heated. <laughs> she really liked the heated seats. So, uh, so now you know we both. Now I've gone full circle. I am back to a Subaru Outback. She has another kind of Subaru that, and she was very adamant.
when, when she got that car that she wanted seat heaters. So <laughs> I think that and a dishwasher probably. Uh, the, the seat heaters got me to marriage. The dishwasher keeps me luxury. in my marriage. So, it's yeah. like that, that clip from the breakup. <laughs> I want you to want to do the dishes. <laughs> right. Who wants to do the dishes? <laughs> I have to explain this to my kids all the time. They're like, but I don't, it's boring. I'm like, yes, it's boring for me as well. I don't enjoy it, but you do it and then yep. you, you get past it. So, yep. all right, we got some stuff to talk about uh, for the postseason here. It's been a wild one. Um, crazy stuff in, in the, the conference. This isn't semis. who you had in the, in the bracket. This isn't who you had in your semifinal and final. A, f- a four seed versus a four seed. Yeah. No, I did not have that. Um, it, only in MLS. We're going to get to why that this is only an MLS uh, toward the end, but uh, we're going to look back. First of all, I believe the conference semis, no home team one. Is that correct? I'm pretty sure that you're correct visiting on that. Team, mm-hmm. Which is, you know, again, if there's one truism in MLS beyond anybody can win on any day, it's that the home team has a huge advantage. Clearly that didn't happen. Although Portland against Salt Lake. Did. Yeah. Okay. You're right. Three out of four. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. I I was, I was, I was looking at it before and I was trying to remember. Yeah. Okay. So three out of four. Yes. Yes. Um, So we're going to talk about, oh no, no, no. So that, that's the. That was the conference final. I'm talking oh, the yeah. Semis. You're talking conference semifinals. Yes. Got it. Yes. yes. Okay. Yep. So Portland versus RSL is the first game we're going to talk about, though. This is the for, for the conference final. Um, we have a special guest who is not with us, but his name is, is Cal. And he uh, was kind enough to put down his thoughts uh, on some conference finals here. And we're, he's in uh, jolly old England, I believe. Um, I'm not sure exactly where in England he is. But uh, he sent us a little audio clip. So we're going to play it now. And... Uh, and then we can react to it and we can make fun of him because he probably won't realize that we're doing it. So, all right, here's Cal. Kendra, Steve, good morning from a very brisk and green Birmingham in the heart of the United Kingdom. Green, the color of choice at the moment. Uh, And for very good reason. I think I'd said for a while that once Portland Timbers had beaten Minnesota United, I thought to myself, they look a good outfit. They look confident. And one thing that they had moving into the playoffs, unbeaten in three, is they had form on their side. Um, I think that's so key moving into the postseason. And Portland Timbers have shown just that because it, it's not been um, a, a majorly compelling campaign. I, I know they, they managed to claim 17 victories. That's a, a single season record in the regular season for them. But they, they never struck me as a team that I thought, they could go all the way this year. But this is how the playoffs work, isn't it? And and it just shows that sometimes in Major League Soccer, if you hit form at the right time, you've got half a chance. And, you know, the the only time that I had a little doubt of of the Timbers going all the way, I actually thought it was going to be a Portland-Philadelphia final, actually. As I said, once uh, Portland had had beaten Minnesota. Um, And I'll I'll get to the Eastern Conference a bit later on. But um, it, it kind of... To, to me, I just thought that the Timbers, they just moved the ball around a lot more, uh, a lot better rather than, than they had done during a uh, large portions of the regular season. But they, they never struck me as a team that, that would go on and, and get to MLS Cup right until, um, as I said, they beat Minnesota United and, and they looked a lot more structured, a lot more organised. Um, and I think as well for me, um, I, I think the Portland Timbers um, could, could very well win this whole thing. Um, and I, I, there's an element of hope there for me because I, I, I would like them to because of Diego Valeri, the, the insinuation 
um, from from what I'm hearing is that this could very well be his last appearance for, for Portland Timbers. So it would be a fairy tale ending for him. Um, but we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, it, it's it's always going to be um, an enticing contest. MLS Cup it always is every year. But uh, I thought they were just simply the better team against Real Salt Lake, um, who, whose form also didn't surprise me in the postseason as well. But I just thought they were the better team. Um, had so much more on offer, so many more opportunities. Um, Nish Golder perhaps should have scored when he had the, the double chance uh, that he fired over. Uh, eventually, uh, Mora I thought was a pest. Um, I, I just think they have more at their disposal. Um, they, they've got a lot of really, really good players. So Portland Timbers are my pick, uh, and I thought they were very, very good uh, against Real Salt Lake. And, and as I said, um, for me, over the last couple of games, have looked like would-be MLS champions. All right, well, Kendra, let's talk about how he's wrong. I don't think he's wrong. Um, <laughs> the first thing I want to, I mean, sort of along those lines of, of, of Cal saying that um, they, they look like they rounded in a form at the right time. From a Minnesota United perspective, is there some, you know, I don't want to say comfort, but does it take a little bit of the sting away from losing that, that game because you see how good Portland has looked and how they've sort of come into their own and gotten, is there a little less sting losing to someone who's going to the cup final than if you lose to a team that just gets bounced in the next round or something? If you looked your best as Minnesota United in that game, then yes, absolutely. I think it would take some of the sting away, but I think it was not the team that we are used to seeing and that Minnesota United is capable of being. And so it felt like a a moment lost for the loons. Um, I agree with him in that Portland Timbers and they didn't just, they're not just coming at form at the right time. It's Sebastian Blanc and mm-hmm. his return. I mean, that is a huge piece of the return to form of this team. I mean, they got absolutely shellacked by Austin. And then all of a sudden, the next time around, then the corner started to kind of turn. I mean, they got six goals scored on them at home in one of those matches, unheard of at Portland. And it just felt like Sebastian Blanco returning to form, getting more minutes, mm-hmm. um, just really breathed some life in him. Even if he wasn't on the score sheet in some way, shape, or form, there was a confidence that started to evolve with this group Diego Valeri was barely needing to step on the pitch, but he was still clearly a useful substitution. Diego Char is playing 10 years younger than he is. Jimmy Char has been phenomenal. And then they lose Williams and they still look good on the season, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, and early on in the season and they still found a way. So um, this is a Portland Timbers team and we all know what confidence can do for a group. NYCFC is playing with confidence as well, yeah. but they also beat barely a insanely depleted Philadelphia Union squad, which we'll get right. to. But I think that Portland Timbers, I absolutely would eye them as the MLS Cup champions um, this year because they're playing at home. I don't even know how many people they can pack into that place if they even have standing room only availability there with fire marshal rules and everything else. <laughs> um, but at least they can get in there, what, 25,000 or something now since they expanded right. it. And you know the environment there. Yeah. And you and I were both just there. Yep. And you know what? That whole city, it just breathes and lives Portland Timbers with the Trailblazers really being the only other option in, in the downtown area. So I, I peg Portland Timbers. I think they've looked phenomenal. You have a secondary scoring option in Nijgoda. Felipe Mora has been phenomenal. We saw him score a pretty sick goal against Minnesota United here um, in Allianz Field. So they're clicking at the right time in the right cylinders. They'll have a spree back mm-hmm. uh, for this game as well. So 
I think this is an important an important uh, time for Portland Timbers and Gio Savarisi to kind of cap off this run that they've had in the second half. Yeah, you definitely see that. Um, they're, they obviously have top-tier players like Sebastian Blanco, but you also see that, uh, you know, they were without Blanco, they were without Espria against RSL, but they do have a system and they have flexibility uh, was one of the things I was seeing a lot of, of, of people talking about because we know Portland Timbers is a team that likes to uh, counterattack, to sort of defend deep and then know how to get out on the on the attack. But they also play with more of the ball against RSL. They, they had a little different look to them. They can also do that. This is one of the things that's important when you get into the playoffs. It's like you're not always going to be able to play your game. You may have to switch and play. And that doesn't necessarily mean being defensive. It might mean going on the front foot a little more. Um, as far as RSL, first of all, always great to see David Ochoa lose. Uh-huh. I, and yeah. one go off his back. <laughs> right, <exactly>. I mean, <laughs> You always love to see uh, bad people fail. And, yeah. uh, you know, I know that, I know that MLS, uh, uh, I know they – they love a villain. Uh, it's it's very much apparent that Ochoa has embraced that uh, uh, that role. Good for him. I, I don't like villains. <laughs> That's, there's a reason I don't like villains. So and there's different ways to play with a chip on your shoulder. Yeah, you know, depending on what's come your way. I did hear John Strong mention in the broadcast that you know he's they've learned a little bit more about uh, Ochoa and his life, and it, maybe he's had some hardships along the way, sure. or his last year has been difficult. I didn't, I don't know the details of it, but then I started to go, Oh, geez, maybe I feel kind of bad. But then I was like, you know, there's still a different way to handle sometimes the chip on the shoulder and, yeah. and, and feeling like you're proving people wrong. And then there's some of just being a, you know, what, yeah. to, whether yeah. it's to the crowd or whatever. Yeah. I mean, he's, inc- he's very young. He's a great goalkeeper. He's a great goalkeeper and he's very young. Yep. You know, it, it could change, you know, people, it, it, I don't necessarily think it's that people's personalities change, but you see that their personas change mm-hmm. as professionals, right? Yeah, sure. Over the course of somebody's yes. career, they might go from being sort of brash to mm-hmm. like realizing they need to be a team player. Yeah. You look at a guy like in the NBA, like Chris Paul, you know, who was sort of a, a like a wunderkind yes. when he came out and then sort of it turned into this sort of sourpuss, like it, it, everybody against the world. didn't like him. Yeah. Right. And now with the Suns, he's sort of become this yes. elder statesman and he's getting everybody involved yep. and the team looks great. So, you know, there's, there's evolutions of personality. Sure. I don't want to write them off entirely. RSL, any, any thoughts on them? I mean, as, as it, they made obviously a terrific run for a team that it's true. A lot of people weren't expecting that much. From them. Well, it's crazy too, though, when you think about how they even got into it, right. When we go back to the LA galaxy game from Minnesota United and the fact that RSL scored that goal, that there yeah. probably should have been a handball, you know what I mean? And like mm-hmm. all the stuff that went into it and, and I don't want to take anything against uh, anything away from RSL, because I think if you look at their roster as well, I mean, this isn't like a star studded, right. I mean, they have guys that kind of know their roles. They do their jobs. They came together at the right time as a unit. They they were playing for Mastro Eni. Um, their coach leaves in the middle of the season. They don't have an owner. When you look at their story, you could really feel like they were inspired by their situation and the circumstances rather than being, bringing them down and being like, well, we're never going to do it because look at this, this, and this. They instead took that to say, well, screw you guys. We can still accomplish this with all these things that have sort of happened to us Mm -hmm. that were out of their control on the season. Um, And so Demir Krylak, he kind of just quietly goes about his business and um, you know, always looks like his knees hurt. He just walks like his knees hurt. Have you <laughs> noticed that? Um, he looks like he's playing the NBA for 15, 25 years. But um, Albert Rushnak, I think, is phenomenal. I don't think he, he gets enough credit. Yep. And then they just have some other guys and, and some young 
center backs and they've, they, you know, put different guys in at left back throughout the season. They've got Aaron Herrera on the right and just certain things that I felt like, you know, they just came together at the right time and, and they were finding a way to get the job done, which is the beauty of MLS. Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those things that the, the, but not surprised that they lost. I was not surprised that sure, they lost that game. Sure. Sure. They were, they were, they were playing with house money by yes. that point. So, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, people talk about the narratives imposed on teams and the sort of us against yes. the world. Obviously, we know it well in Minnesota United and, yep. and the extent to which um, people feel like Adrian Heath does that. Um, but, you know, it is one of those things that people need restraints and mm-hmm. sort of challenges. Yeah. And so if you rise to that challenge, if your coach leaves in the middle of the season and then you have a, you know, an interim coach, they could, I mean, look at Vanny Sartini, right? Yes. You know, it's like, sometimes that is the catalyst for something. And it doesn't necessarily mean it lasts forever. It doesn't necessarily mean it's better or worse. Like things move through time, mm-hmm. right? So at the, at that moment, they needed that challenge. They met that challenge. This shows what you can do with it. So, uh, you know, good, good for RSL, um, for getting that far. Uh, that that's great on them. Let's shift to the Eastern conference. Uh, talk about the NYCFC versus Philly game a little bit. We have, uh, we have more input from our good friend Cal here. So let's, uh, let's listen to Cal. Well, the Eastern Conference has probably been about as unpredictable as it's ever been this year. I think everybody, including myself, um, had New England Revolution going a long, long way. Um, I personally, though, had Philadelphia Union getting to the final. And had it not have been for a humongous COVID outbreak, uh, you you get the feeling they probably um, may very well have gotten the better of New York City FC. But look, NYCFC, I think, have been building for a moment like this for a long time. It's the the reason why they were um, brought into existence in the first place is because the City Football Group crave triumph. They want trophies. They want to be seen, I I think they already are, to be honest, as as one of the premier um, footballing um, agencies and companies uh, across across the world. Um, They've obviously done an unbelievable job with, with Manchester City. Uh, doing a, a good job with Melbourne City as well in, in the Australian A-League, and they've got various other projects around world football as well. Um, but with New York City FC, I think this is the one that they see that has the most potential. So I think this is something that New York City FC have been building to for a long, long time. Uh, I, I thought that Ronnie Dyler had them set up really well against Philadelphia Union. That There were stretches where the Union, I thought, um, had, had um, good possession of the ball, although New York City FC outpossessed them massively. Uh, again, I, I just think that New York City FC were were the better team and the better team went through on the day. Um, And it's harsh. You have to feel sorry for for Philadelphia, don't you? Especially for Jim Curtin. Uh, He may very well be on the way to Cincinnati from from what I'm hearing. Um, It's just, it's a shame because (laughs) a whole season that they've worked so hard for comes down to one game where half the squad isn't available. And and it's it's a real shame. But there'll be ones to watch out for, for sure. They've clearly got ambition. They've they've been there or thereabouts now the last couple of years. But um, I just thought on the day, New York City FC were much better. And the interesting thing about this, heading into MLS Cup now as well, let's not forget, once again, Valentin Castellanos is now available after suspension. So um, they're a really good outfit. Uh, Medina Morales are sensational. They've provided so many opportunities for Castellanos this year, who has duly taken them. Um, it, it's going to be tight, MLS Cup is for sure. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if, if it comes down to, to a single solitary goal um, as to which way that's going to go. I, I simply don't know. These, these Cup finals are so difficult to call. But, 
you know, I, I, I do think, given that it's at Providence Park, you'd probably say the Timbers have the edge. But either way, can't wait for the game. As always, MLS Cup is going to be beyond intriguing. I should apologize. That was my outlook dinging, not Cal's outlook dinging. Here. Yeah, this <laughs> Don't the, let it happen again. <laughs> one of the problems with using your computer to play audio into the into the podcast. Um, so, you know, I think obviously the big storyline for that NYCFC versus Philly game was that the union were missing nine players, nine players for COVID protocols, which is, I mean, that's half the, that's at least a third of their squad, but that's a lot of players uh, from your starting 11 who you are missing. Um that's it was that just insurmountable Kendra yeah I mean I thought that first of all Philadelphia did a tremendous job in in with what they had and we're talking about even a day or two prior to the game not knowing who was going to be available sure. so even if you're game planning you knew that you were going to be missing some guys but I, I don't know how the testing went if they were able to get you know multiple like oh if we get certain amount of negative in a certain amount of time or if it was just an automatic that you got to sit out you know I I don't know what they what path they went down exactly for the Philadelphia Union, um, but I do know that there was even two days before the game that they didn't even know there were guys missing from practice and didn't know if they were going to be back and available. And you can't work on set pieces, you can't work on formation, you can't work on tactics, you can't work on you just don't know. And so credit to Jim Curtin and Philadelphia Union that they were in this game at all. I mean, yeah. it was at home and, and for much of the first half. And, and, you know, they had moments where they were controlling the game. You're without your starting goalkeeper. By the way, it was Andre Blake, one of the best goalkeepers in the league. Right. You know, you're without your center backs. You're without um, your captain. And without your, um, you know, you had Gleasness who had scored a, a sick goal and all of a sudden he's not. So you had some pieces in the attacking third of the field that were your usuals, but you don't know what the buildup is like. You don't know what the release of pressure is. Who's the transitioning moment? You're mm -hmm. missing some of those key guys. So, um, I mean, what a what a punch to the gut, you know, because you don't know if any of the, some of those guys may never get to a championship game again. Right. They may never get to an MLS cup final again. This is the first time Philadelphia union have made it for as good as they've mm -hmm. been the last handful of years under Jim Curtin and winning the supporter shield and everything else. You may never know if you have this opportunity again to get to a cup final and then you miss your opportunity in the conference final. And, um, you know, sitting at home and watching that game had to be an absolute sickening feeling and I have no idea you know how the breakout happened or what happened but here they've gone essentially the whole year it's been a crazy two years two seasons and um it couldn't have happened at a worse time for this group and as to my knowledge unless you know something different I don't think they were all at some you know rave and, right. and everybody got it at the same time or some house party <laughs> right you know what I mean I think yeah. it was one of those things you're just living life and everybody's trying to navigate COVID and and it uh backfired for the Philadelphia Union, but credit said that they were even in the game because I think right away when they found that out, they were probably thinking, we got to flip the script here mentally. We have to just prepare that these guys are not available and that we are good enough to still get this job done. And they barely didn't get it done. I know it was an own goal, but still you had to create the opportunity to get an own goal on NYCFC. And um, maybe one goal would have been enough if, if Blake had made the save mm -hmm. or not Blake, I'm um, excuse me, the backup goalkeeper. Freezing, yeah, 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 exactly. Had, had, you know, handled things a little bit differently. You just never know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if we have any Philadelphia listeners, but they probably weren't out at pulsations, the, the dance club that <laughs> if anybody's an old school <laughs> Philly person, you might recognize uh, pulsations uh, from uh, local ads in the, in the eighties and nineties. So uh, that's probably not what was going on. Um, 
New York City also without Cassianos, yes. as, as 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 Cal said, which maybe is one of the things that kept a little closer. Golden Boot winner, um, obviously had could have had a lot more goals than he had. He missed some sitters. He sort of underperformed his expected goals overall. He missed but, a sitter in the previous yeah, game, right? Exactly. <laughs> so um, you know, obviously missing Cassianos maybe kept a little close there. Um, we've seen before how you know I think one of those you you talked about how they're missing center backs and they're missing mm-hmm. their goalkeeper. It's one of those things where even if you have all your attackers healthy, especially for a team like Philly, where, but a lot of teams are this way. If you don't have that defense that can start, start the play in the way you're used to, it really often doesn't really matter who's up top for you because they're just not going to see the ball where they want it. They're not going to get the ball where they want it. It's just, it's sort of, everything starts from that back line and the, and the sort of back midfield. And if you're missing that, it's very difficult to overcome. Well, and I think this is a Philadelphia team that had struggled to score goals in the last few games, right. even when they had their full complement of players and they still had Shabilka. They still had other players in the attack that, you know, were, were meant to be their goal scorers. So they were kind of underperforming to begin with mm-hmm. in the last handful of games. But then on top of that, you throw the, fact I would know that what that's are, about. I, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, and then on top of that, you throw the fact, like you said, you're missing your connecting pieces and right. even your back line. How do you win the ball? How do you collect the ball once you've won it? How how confident do you feel in your back line and your goalkeeper when it's all non-starters or, or guys that haven't played the full complement uh, yeah. of the season and, and played together for that matter? I mean, sometimes it's just about chemistry. And I think Bodoya is a huge piece for them, mm-hmm. whether how often he's on the ball or not. I think he's one of those pieces in the center um, that really contributes to the attack and is a connecting piece and kind of a, the leader of the group. So I think that um, even though they had some of their attacking pieces, it wasn't going to be good enough in, in this game against NYCFC. And credit to them to getting the win. Yeah, I also have to give credit to, I want to shout out Ronnie Dyla for subbing in three players. Yeah who all contributed to the game-winning goal. Tactical. Like. <laughs> it's insane. Honestly, though, really, insane. Really well I know done. one one goal was kind of a weird, you know, sure. situation. But but still, like, tactical adjustments at the half, knowing now that you've seen what Philly can or cannot do with the um, restrictions they had missing some players. So yeah. um, credit to, really, Ronnie Dial on the whole season. NYCFC has kind of been a mess for the last couple of years. You know what they always aspired to be, and right. you knew they were spending money, and they always had some of the big-name players because you have to, NYCFC. But at the same time, Time, um, they've had a coaching carousel there as well. Yep. So um, credit to him for getting this team in the right direction. Yeah, there was a bit of a paper tiger feel to NYCFC over the last few seasons where they had like big names or big yes. scores or or great performances, but it wasn't sort of consistent or, you know, there wasn't a through line there or something they could fall back on. And I think they've I think they've definitely definitely come a long way in that respect. And the it, it's true, the tactical adjustment thing is one of those weird things where in soccer it feels like the coach has uh, so much less say over how a game is going to unfold than in basketball where there's timeouts, there's multiple substitutions. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in football, obviously, yeah. it's like the coach is calling everything, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's sort of a, a tactical thing. In soccer, it feels like the you know people after games in any game will be like, well, the coach should have done this. It's like, well, you know, he's only got this many subs. You can't really communicate with the players except at occasional breaks. And yet there's also that thing which when a, the sub works, it's like, man, you just made exactly the right move at the right time. It's it's a high leverage decision. And Ronnie Dalla definitely nailed that right there. So, uh, all right, we're going to move on to talking about the MLS Cup final. First, when injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers. With convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team, you're always close to the care you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org ortho. 
All right, we uh, we sort of touched on some of the the matchup things with Portland and NYCFC, and the question of you know uh, who's got the advantage here, and uh, obviously NYCFC bringing Castellanos back. They've got Medina, they've got Morales, they've got attacking pieces, but also Portland looks really good. Uh, one of the things that's interesting is whoever wins this game. It'll be the seventh, if it's Portland, or eighth different MLS champ in the last nine years. There's n- there's not a lot of dynasty going on. Uh, before that, it was, I believe, Galaxy won back-to-back right before that. But uh, still, it's kind of crazy that there's always different teams in the mix for this stuff. Well, and I think that the best part about this league is that you legitimately don't know who's going to even be in the final every year, even in the conference semifinals, even, you know what I mean? Or the conference finals, excuse yeah. me. Like you legitimately don't know. You always kind of have the, the teams that you sort of think, but because of money spent or because, because of if a coach has been there for a long time or um, whatever it might be. But ultimately, like I never would have pegged that this was going to be the final. I didn't. I mean, yeah. I know that Portland is a good team and I know that Gio Savarisi um, has for the most part seems like, but we've also seen with Portland uh, after he took over in the next season, like it was kind of like, Oh geez, that, you know, the guys yeah. aren't buying into the system. Like, right. does he know what he's doing? You know? And, and sure enough, here they are in, in finding themselves in this position once again. And um, I, I, I love that about this league. I truly do. And when we say it in our pregame shows, Cal and I, when we say anybody can win on any given night, that's not just some line. This isn't yeah. some cliche. This is legit. You literally don't know who's going to win on every single night, whether everybody's fully fit and healthy or not. Anybody could beat anybody on any given day, and that's what makes this this league so much fun to watch. It's neck and neck with goals change games for, <laughs> like, yeah. just a truism yeah. Yeah. that is like, yeah. yes, it's a cliche, but cliches are cliches for a reason, you know? So, um, so this is the first MLS Cup final for NYCFC. It's uh, the first time hosting for Portland. They won that in Columbus. That seems strange, doesn't it? I know, it feels right? like, yeah, it feels like they should have had more by now. It, I, I do sometimes think that there's this funny thing where having Minnesota United come into the league in 2017 and knowing who was sort of on top at that moment, which is like, you know, Seattle, obviously perennial contenders. Um, Galaxy were sort of have been in a swoon since that point. Uh, they've been up and down Portland. We always looked at as a team. That's like, this is a rock solid team. Yep. But th- I mean, their history is not Just like consistent. Yeah. I mean, they're very good, but like, yeah, they're, they're hosting for the first time. I mean, that's another thing, which is obviously Providence park is hard to play in period. It's hard to play in, in the playoffs. I'm sure the first final for the, a, a team that is so well loved in their, in their area. Like oh, it's, it's going to be, gonna be it's going to be really difficult for NYCFC to go there. So, yeah. um, the NYCFC, one thing they have going for them is that through the season, you would always see, you know, the, anybody who was looking at, at, at deeper numbers behind teams, um, you know, in articles, wherever MLSsoccer.com or other places would tab NYCFC as one of the best teams by those underlying numbers. They didn't always play up to those numbers, but in terms of the chances they were creating mm-hmm. in terms, they, they were unlucky on allowing some goals early on. They, mm-hmm. they were unlucky on not scoring some of those goals. They, they never really looked great until that last little push down down the stretch of the season. But underlying numbers there, they have a very, very good team. And maybe if they're rounding into form at the right time, they can surprise the Timbers. Does that seem possible? Uh, I mean, you said anybody can win, so. Yeah, no, it's 100% <laughs> possible. I just think that environment is going to be a really a lot to handle. And yeah. I know that the league has tried really hard to, you know, allocate a certain amount of, uh, of tickets. But how many people are traveling from New York to Portland. Yeah, I mean, you big, also uh, couldn't yeah. get a much farther, you know, <laughs> right. you jaunt <laughs> for the supporters to, to, you know, and maybe Manchester uh, city could fork over some dough yeah, and right. charter a plane for some supporters. I'm sure they've got sure. the cash. Um, 
But I, I think that that environment, there's that can go one of two ways as well, right? When you go there as a visiting team, is there anything better than quieting? I mean, think about when Minnesota right. United scored the first goal. Yeah. In that playoff game, I mean, the the you just felt the the whole crowd and the team felt discombobulated for a yeah. good chunk of time, and um, I thought Portland looked discombobulated for a bit in that first half. But I think that on this day and this moment in a, in a final, like the buzz is going to be insane, and there's going to be anybody in the soccer world. Um, that covers soccer, but maybe wasn't going to go to the game. If it's in Providence Park and you know the environment and, and the place you're going to, they might find a way to get a, a press pass and a ticket because yeah. it's going to be quite the experience. And I think it's going to be really tough for NYCFC unless they maybe get a goal early, but they can't get in some defensive shell just because you score against Portland on the road. You can't change your shape. You can't change yeah. your tactics a whole lot because this is a Portland team that has many ways um, to find a way to beat you. And especially on the counter and with everybody healthy and available, I think it's going to be a, a tough task. This is a Portland team that just doesn't go away. Yeah, that I mean, that goes to that point I said earlier about Portland's flexibility, which is that, you know, there's some teams where you think, oh, if you can get a lead, you can hold it against them. Or, you know, even if you concede, maybe you can come back against them. Portland can sort of do both. Anywhere playing around that level, down a goal, up a goal, they sort of have ways to manipulate and 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 stick in the game and get what they need out of it, which is going to be very difficult. So, Which I think when you look at their attack, and their defense has sort of been okay. Like, yeah. I don't think it's been like anything to write home about where you're like, wow, this is what's carried this team. I think if for the right. most part it's been the midfield and the attack that has accomplished it. I mean, I think Clark at times looks a little but, you know, yeah. he, I mean, he's he's a good goalkeeper, but yes. I don't think he's been, the you know, the saving grace of this team. So I think when you look at this team, let's say hypothetically NYCFC score first, like Minnesota United did, they go up early in this game. You can't sit back against this team, even though Portland's a more of a counter. They love to get out on the break. You've got enough weapons centrally and in the attack with some creativity and skills in and around the 18 that it, they, they will find a way to break you down if you're mm -hmm. NYCFC, whether they have to, you know, play play in and around the 18 or, you know, possess across the half or whether they have to get out on a break. Um, I think this Portland Timbers team has just looked really good. And I'm, I'm impressed with how healthy everybody has stayed on the season. When you look at yeah. um, like a Diego Chara and his age and playing on that turf and everything else and, and the kind of style that he plays and the amount of running he's done this season that he's been able to stay as healthy as he has. And then of course, getting Blanco back and he's go to back at, at the right time. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they, they traded Ibo Abobasi away in the middle of the season and, he didn't, you know, they didn't miss a beat with Felipe Moore out there. Yeah. So. Yeah. As uh, we're going through the cliches now, but again, ava <laughs> availability is one of the greatest abilities um, for, for sure. Um, I also have to say from personal experience, I mean, so the, the first time I went to Providence Park, I was um, going to say the last time you played in an MLS cup final. Yeah. Right. You're <laughs> no, just <laughs> my personal most. experience of the atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I did terrible my last time let's <laughs> got final. Um, uh, the, the first time I went to Providence Park, I believe we were both there and we just got an Uber to the, the, the stadium or something like <laughs> yeah. that from the hotel or, or walked. I can't remember. Yep. So you just sort of, I went in through a normal media entrance yep. and everything like that. Last time we were there, uh, we were on the team bus um, and walked in through that. Like, it's not a tunnel, but it's mm -hmm. like you go into the belly of it. You know, yep. like it's, if, it, if you haven't been there, Providence Park is sort of sits below the city, um, you know, so you get it's off. It's like of this, a sunken stadium. Yeah, almost, yeah. Because it's an old minor league baseball right, stadium. Right, exactly. Yep. So you get off at street level, like the bus pulls up, the gates open, and there's fans waiting there. Oh. And they're like, well, yeah, I mean, and the fans are like, they're waiting to get in and the, and the visiting team has to walk past them down mm -hmm. this sort of like alley that goes around the field. 
there is a, a psychological thing of like, man, you really, you're going into the heart of this thing and it's, it's great. The valley and then, of the beast. Oh, totally. And then as you were saying about like, you know, silencing the crowd, one of my favorite things that happens in soccer, which you don't see in, as much in other sports because of, you know, supporter culture and things like that is a home side where the supporters are in full voice. They're, they're all together. And then the other team scores and there's kind of this, like, it sort of gets a little rickety for mm-hmm. a little bit. They sort of have to like regroup. Yep. And then when they come back <laughs> and it's like, they're pushing the team on. I love that. That's one of my favorite things. I know if that, if that happens in Providence park, like if the timbers go down, that is going to happen. And it's a great experience. I mean, my first time in Providence park, which was back when Minnesota United was still playing at TCF bank stadium, 2017, was it uh, 2018? Okay. I think, mm-hmm. you know, it was my first time being at an away park that had that. I mean, the vibe of the Timbers mm-hmm. army, I was just, I could not believe how loud they got. It was incredible. So it's, I mean, it's going to be a great final. It's going to be super fun. Yeah. It's going to be uh, amazing. Regardless, the atmosphere is going to be phenomenal. And I actually, I love the fact that it's in a soccer specific stadium. Yep. I mean, no discredit to, you know, Seattle and the fact that you can pack in 40, 50, how many ever, you know, thousand people their stadium does in just like Atlanta with 75 or whatever thousand they can put in. But there's yeah. something about it being in a soccer specific stadium and that closeness and that energy and that vibe and the fans, it, it's made for that. Even though they trans, you know, transplanted or transport, however you say it, um, the baseball stadium, I think um, that city. And, you know, this last time I walked from the hotel to the stadium because it was only like a mi- not even yeah, a mile up close. the road and yep. it was already close enough to game time you know well I shouldn't say close it was like three hours but still <laughs> yeah. um and for a day game and the city was just buzzing and I passed so many people and I passed a ton of our supporters that had made the trip whether it was on the flight or they got their own yep. um and it was just there's there's an energy and there's a respectfulness I think too just from my view of the supporters and the fandom for soccer when you go to these soccer cities that people really embrace it and they they take in the opposition yeah i mean they still want to beat them and they still want to you know right. rub their nose in it um from a, a team culture and a, a supporter standpoint but they embrace the fact that like people are willing to make the trip and yep. support their club and um providence park they've done it right except for the turf oh, sure. i still can't stand the turf <laughs> i don't care how good your turf is it's still turf yep. um but the fact that the the rest of the stadium and that far side where they added all those stands Mm-hmm. I know we're kind of, you know, doting on Portland right now um, and, you know, laying off NYC. Well, let's talk about NYC. I've seen where they play. Well, yeah. That's a whole nother situation. But yeah, that goes. <laughs> <laughs> but the, they added those stands and it looks like they were always there. Yeah. You know, it doesn't look out of place. So yep. um, I think Portland in that atmosphere is just going to be you want to keep Timber Joey off that log, but it might be difficult. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Let's. Uh, OK, so let's shift. OK, so you predict Portland's going to win. Do. do you have I a scoreline prediction? Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Three two, I would. That's that was my gut feeling. Is three two. I think that Portland's got enough goals in him to get the the game winner. It's gonna yeah. be late. It's yeah. gonna be a late, shocking game winner. Okay. It's not gonna go to penalties. Okay. Um, it's not gonna go to overtime or extra time. And and I think that you know NYCFC for sure has a couple goals there. And yeah. uh, and Castellanos is gonna be motivated having missed the last game. What a silly red card. Yeah, he got in that prior that was one. Foolish, so. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. So I think we're on the same page there, 3-2. Let's talk about, briefly before we finish up here about the, the playoff format overall yeah. because it's one of those things that's that's changed. It used to be a two-legged uh, format several years ago. Since Minnesota United has been in the playoffs, it's always been single elimination. So that's what we've, we've come to know. Um, it, I guess the question sort of more broadly is like, is it good the way it is now um, with – you know, the league obviously has a lot of parity during the regular season. You see it come out in the playoffs as well. 
you know, if you look at European soccer, there's a whole different kind of idea of what the regular season is. It, you know, it funnels you into the Champions League. Those things are sort of separate. But even there, you know, they try to pull off the Super League. So they're not totally satisfied. Mm -hmm. Not everybody's totally satisfied with the way that works. Playoffs is a very American thing, you know, mm -hmm. and I think it's fun and it's exciting. You think about the March Madness, you know, as one of those, like as a tournament format, single elimination, especially as those college basketball teams have gotten better. Uh, you know, these gaps in, you know, what looks like an upset isn't as much of an upset as you think, you know, obviously, you know, if a 12 seed beats out, you know, 16 beats it, a one, right. Something like deal. that. That's great. But like anything in that, like five, six, seven, eight, like any of those, I mean, they, they, they could be it's very close. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true to a certain extent in the MLS at this point, we're seeing that like the fourth team isn't necessarily that far removed yep. from the first place team. Is it, is it good or do you think there needs to be more iterations of this to figure out some, is it too, is it too much of a crapshoot? I guess is what I'm saying. No, I, lo I love the single elimination. Okay. I, I don't think that was the issue this year. I think it was a three week layoff for new, new yeah. England revolution and you know, these long breaks, Colorado Rapids, however long they were off two two and a half weeks, whatever it was. I think that was the issue. And then yeah. obviously the COVID protocol issue with Philadelphia. So things that like normally, mm -hmm. you know, you had this three week layoff for New England. I mean, what kind of a benefit and a prize is that? Yeah, it's not. Right. Ask anybody who plays in sports, maybe a week, yeah. but three weeks um, with the international break and the, 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 just the way getting the first round by and everything. So I love the single elimination. I'm all for it. I think it puts pressure to be the best in that moment at that time. Could you absolutely, because the way soccer is get a goal that goes against you in a crap moment mm -hmm. and you end up losing that game. Sure. Cause this isn't basketball where, okay, points here, points there, you know, back forth hockey, even, you know, yeah. where there's more goals to be had more opportunities to score, right. but this is about capitalizing on your moments. It just puts more pressure on the big players to come up in the big moments at the right time. And, um, I, I love that. I love that sense. And I know it's a very American thing, these right. playoffs and especially not having the, the home and away and the aggregate and all that. I mean, that's just confusing to people. You try to explain that to yeah. someone that yeah. even some players get confused. They go on the road and they get a tie and they, you know, or they get a win and they thought they won the yeah. home and away. And they're like, Oh no, but like we, we allowed too many goals at home. Like <laughs> yeah. we're yeah. not moving on. That's a good point. I mean, I think that there's, I think Americans, I mean, obviously back in the day, the thing again, knock against soccer was that nobody likes ties, but like, I think we, have come to accept draws in the regular season and there's a strategic element there that I think we can appreciate in terms of a point versus taking a point, you know, versus yep. three points and, and things like that. But in the playoffs, it's true. It's weird that you could like lose your second leg and win the series. Yeah. That just feels, that feels a little weird, yep. I think. And so it's not part of the way that, that sports culture is generally, I think those layoffs, um, you know, that benefits, I think you see in, in, in football, um, they're a pretty big layoff before the Super Bowl. Yeah. But again, those are, that's like, again, it's such a tactical mm -hmm. uh, game. It's not like a sort of improvisational chemistry based game. And you lose that with, you know, losing out in those one seeds, having those, that long layoff. It'll be interesting to see next year because the schedule is being flipped around. Uh, there won't be such a long layoff because they're playing, they're, they're going to play the final earlier in order to get out of the way of the world cup. Yep. Um, I do, I do wonder if just eliminating the buy period would be yeah. more interesting because you might lead to more upset. You get, if you could upset the one seed in the first round, that would also be exciting as opposed to, you know, the seven seed upsetting the two seed, you know, it's like, some, well, and some I think of that you would upset weird, them so. for the right season, yeah, right, right reasons, right excuse reason. me, yeah, sure. not because, and I don't, and I didn't listen to all Bruce Arena's post game quotes. And I know going into it, knowing he had three weeks off, he's like, Oh great. What a treat. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, we get a three, they, they just don't view that as a benefit, yeah, you know? Yeah. I mean, unless you had some guy that was coming off an ACL and he was going to, 
somehow be back and fully fit, but even that's not possible. Soccer just doesn't work that way. You know, yeah. I mean, even look at Jordan Morris, how he came kind of back into the fold at the very end of the season and, and contributed actually quite a bit. Um, I was surprised at how many minutes he could play, but um, I just think that that that's, that doesn't feel like a prize. And I would think Robin Frazier, I don't think is the type either to make excuses, right. but having a two, two and a half week layoff when they were clearly the hottest team going in and not hot, like, all of a sudden they caught fire, but the consistency they had shown mm-hmm. um, with the roster that they had. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I love the one and done idea. Yep. I love that kind of it. sense of pressure in the moment that this is your time. And yes, you can get a goal that goes against you. It could be a silly handball in the box. That's a penalty, whatever it might be. But um, I think it just puts pressure on you to capitalize on your chances when you have them and be the better team on the day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we've got a great cup final coming up. It'll be fun to watch. You know, who knows? I'm sure there'll be some other iterations about around the playoff format and things like that. But uh, regardless, it'll be fun to watch. Um, I have not watched a lot of NYCFC uh, this season, so I haven't either. I mean, Eastern Conference, I I try as much as possible. But when you're already watching every Western Conference game every weekend, it gets to be it's a lot of hours. Yeah, it's (laughs) like whatever. There's not a lot to fast forward through when you're rewatching a soccer match. Yeah, (laughs) whatever, whatever, whatever Eastern Conference teams play. Minnesota United. I'm like, oh, okay. I yeah. kind of know about those teams. That's mm-hmm. about as far as it goes. So, uh, Kendra, thanks for jumping in here. Uh, you know, Cal had to gallivant off too. To yeah, England. I think he's in London today. Poor guy. Visiting his family. I mean, <laughs> I he hasn't What's seen him in two years. Shopping? Like, geez. So, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back. Uh, at, you know, post MLS Cup final, we'll talk about that uh, later on. We'll get some more Minnesota United content going on as that stuff ramps up again. It's a quick turnaround. Man, next season just starts oh, like mid-January, I know. basically. I know. So. I said that to someone the other day. I'm like, oh, well, the guys report January 17th and like, oh, you have a nice break then. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> it's like, not really. So, uh, well, thanks everybody out there for joining us for the 165th Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Kendra at Kendra Sports. You can follow me at Steve Venturis. Apologies as always to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you and people can like you exactly as you are.